As many of you know, for about the last 16 to 18 months, my family and I prayed every day a lot for my father-in-law. And prayer didn't work. And some people will say like, oh yeah, but he was healed ultimately. That's not what I was praying for. I wasn't praying for ultimate healing. I was praying that my father-in-law would walk in health on earth and get to go deer hunting with us and get to watch volleyball games with us. I wasn't praying for ultimate healing. And I think I can say this in this service. It pisses me off when I pray for a thing and it doesn't work. I don't understand why about a year ago I had a cousin who had some sort of spot on her spine that they were confident was cancer and she goes to the Mayo Clinic and stays the night in a hotel room and is struggling to sleep and move and walk and she gets to the Mayo Clinic and they do a test and the spot is gone. They don't know what it was. They don't know why it was there in the first place or where it went, but she's fine. We prayed for her. And something happened. We prayed for him, and nothing happened. I don't understand why there are babies born premature, and some of them live, and some of them don't. But everybody is praying for those babies. Even people who don't believe start to pray when their children are struggling to survive. I don't get it. And it makes me mad. And so prayer sometimes is a scary thing because I don't understand it and I like to try to understand things. And sometimes I don't like prayer because in the moments that I don't know what to pray, oftentimes a mirror pops up and I have to see the self. I have to see me as I truly am. Not the self that I let people see but the self that kind of only me and God know. And I like that self sometimes. And it's a struggle. I don't know why uh, six years ago I started planting a church and I prayed for that church every day and I worked my tail off to plant a church that would grow deep roots and make a real difference in the community that it was planted in and that plant failed and died. And other churches where I don't think have a mission that was important as ours survived. I don't get it. And I don't want trite answers. And I don't think you do either. And so this sermon is scary because I I don't know the answers that aren't trite. But I'm going to do my best to tell you what I think about prayer and why I know prayer is important in my life. And I hope that in the process of that, somehow you can connect also and be encouraged to pray more because as United Methodists, we have developed essentially um, a rule of life. Anybody familiar with monastic rules of life or the Benedictine rule of life? It's like essentially a trellis, a spiritual trellis that is placed in the ground and we are the plant that's planted at the bottom of it. And a rule of life gives us direction on how to grow. Now, we can flow back and forth, left and right, as we grow up the trellis. And we can flip from one side to the other as we're growing. But that's the path we grow on. And so we choose a rule of life. God allows us to do that. And as United Methodists, our rule, the thing that we think helps us grow closest to God in our discipleship, is prayer, presence, gifts, 
service, and witness. And I'm going to talk today about prayer. The hardest one of them all for me. Because I'm not sure that I'm good at it. But I know that I need it. Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 2, says this. He said, it's a parable, so it's not, it's not going to be easy. Like, so here's the thing we do with parables a lot. We try to allegorize them and say, like, okay, so this person represents God, and this person represents us, and this person represents them, and this is the answer to that, and we're going to solve this thing. Sometimes a parable is not to be solved, it's to be pondered, and the parable is just to help us find truth. This is one of those strange parables. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect of anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation and wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of this parable to our lives. You ever feel like you're wearing somebody out? Just driving them crazy, bugging them about something? I don't. But I know people who do. That's what this parable is. It's a parable about prayer. It's a parable about how we approach God with things. It's a parable about those prayers that we pray all the time that don't seem to get answered. It's a parable about how what the answer is may or may not ultimately matter. It's a parable about us. The truth of it, I think, is this. Fred Craddock said one time that this parable is about how when we pray and pray and pray and start to drive God crazy with our ceaseless prayer, that prayer is actually the answer. The prayer itself is the answer. Because it's hammering us into the vessel that can receive whatever it is that God wants to do. So here's, here's an example of how that works. There's this story about Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and arrested. And so he, he's betrayed and he, go, he takes a couple of his friends with him and they go to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. You may, well that picture right back there, the stained glass window is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like that's not actually what it looked like, but uh, because, well, never mind, but that's a sermon for a different time. But We can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with a couple of friends. And he says to his friends, pray for me. I'm going to go off and I'm going to pray. Now there's something to be learned in that also, because there's this, what do they, what do they call it, a gossamer thread, a thread that runs through all of us and connects us, and that thread is God. And so when you pray for me, it connects you and I with that thread, but that thread is God. And so you connect with God, and I'm connected with God, and we're connected with God together. And something, something spiritual, something real, something energizing happens in that. 
And so Jesus has his friends, and he says, I need you to pray for me while I pray. Which is an interesting thing in itself, because we feel like oftentimes we can just approach God. And we can. But we also need people to pray for us as we're approaching God. We need people to pray. And we need to pray for people. We need it. It's good for us. It's good for our souls to connect with other people and God that way. So Jesus says to these two buddies, pray for me because I'm going to go off and pray. And so he goes off and scripture tells us he throws himself on the ground. Now he knows what's about to happen. He understands things are starting to work and and he understands now that he's been betrayed. And he says, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to have to do this thing. Take it from me. And the cup is the fact that he doesn't want to be arrested. He doesn't want to go to trial. He doesn't want to be sentenced to death. And he doesn't want to be executed. He doesn't want to have to do that. So he prays that prayer. He's grieving deep in his spirit. He stands up. He goes back to where his friends are and finds them asleep. And he says, man, can't you stay awake for even an hour and pray for me? I'm going to go pray some more. Please stay awake and pray. So he goes back, and the second time he prays, he says this. Whatever happens, it seems like I'm going to have to drink this cup. So let your will be done, not mine. Because even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the sentencing, and even in the midst of the execution, Jesus has some control. We have some control in our lives. So Jesus prays this honest prayer. I don't want to do this thing. Seems like we're going to do this thing. So let your will be done, not mine. And he's praying honestly. Rob Bell says that Jesus comes from a long line of people who pray honestly. Half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Uh, lamenting is something we don't do in our culture well or often. A lament is this. How long do we have to do this? Where are you? Why can't I feel you? Why didn't you do this thing? Why did you let my father-in-law die while I was praying all the time for him? And I don't want some trite answer from you either, God. Give me a real answer. We can lament. You can read through the Psalms. At least half of them are Psalms of lament. And there's an entire book called Lamentations where somebody is mad at God and is letting God know, here's what you need to know. God can handle anything that you can throw at God. God wants everything that you have. So that language that your first grade teacher told you you're not supposed to use, God can handle it. If you need to use that language to feel like you're connecting with God, then do it. Because it's prayer. So so what Jesus is doing in the Garden of Gethsemane and what what the lady does to this judge is open themselves up to God's creative power because here's the other thing. The Genesis creation story in Genesis 1 matters throughout Scripture. Now, I would never, honestly, never let somebody get me caught up in an argument about how creation happened. 
That's not what the story is about. The creation stories in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which, by the way, there are two of them, and they're not the same, so we're not going to talk about the accuracy of that. What those stories are about is why God created, not how God created. One of the things that we read in the first one, which is a poem, is that all of the things God created have the ability to create. All of the things that we can see that God created have the ability to create. Grass can create grass. Trees can create trees. They can both clean the air and create more oxygen. They are creating. Water can create. Fish can create. All of the things that walk upon the earth and crawl upon the earth, as Genesis tells us, can create. We obviously can create. Look at this space. We're creating something here. And beyond that, we create relationships with one another, and we procreate, and we bring other people into our families and into our lives, and we create love amongst us. And the things that we create have the ability to break our hearts. And we have the ability to break their hearts also. God can break our heart. We can break God's heart. That's part of being in a real relationship. But the thing that I want to focus on most about the Genesis narrative to the Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane story to the parable of the lady who's driving the judge crazy, that's my title for it, is that all of them are about creation. And so when we pray, we're opening ourselves up to the Creator, to the spiritual power of creation. And we are expecting that God says to us, create, do something. I don't think we should be praying that hungry people be fed if we have, enough to, if we have more than enough to eat. What's that prayer about? I think God's answer to that prayer is, then feed people. If we're praying for homeless people to have shelter, maybe the answer to the prayer is, then give them shelter. Because you have the power to create within you. If you're tired of mass shootings, then do something about mass shootings. Stop asking God to do magic. God's not in the business of magic. God is in the business of creation, and God's creation's creating. God's in the business of redemption and restoring things to the way that they should be. And so are God's creations. So what is prayer? Prayer, to me, is simply connecting with God. Connecting with God can happen sitting in silence, focusing on my breathing. Knowing that when I breathe in and when I breathe out, I'm actually saying the name of God. Prayer can be plugging in some earbuds and turning the music up as loud as my ears will tolerate it and listening to all of the sound that's coming into my ears, knowing that God's creation has created that. Prayer is grieving to where you cry so hard you don't know how you can live. 
And prayer is laughing so hard that you're afraid you're going to suffocate because you can't get a breath in because all the noise is going out. Prayer is watching one of your favorite movies and understanding that there's something mysterious in the process of art being created before your eyes. Prayer is constantly bugging God about the thing. Whatever that thing is. The prayer is being open to receiving the answer, and it may not be what you want to hear. I'll give you an example of that. So you know, I think most of you know, some of you may not, my family moved here in July. And when we moved here, we didn't have our own house. We didn't move into our house until September. And we lived in West Boots' apartment from uh, early July until September. Two months too long. Not because of Wes's apartment, but because we didn't want to be living in somebody's apartment. We wanted to be living in our own place. We wanted our own home with our own stuff where we could make our own messes and not worry about what kind of stains they were going to leave, right? But prior to that even, which was an answered prayer, prior to that, last January, February, Michelle and I knew that we were going to be moving. And that the church plant that I had planted and was praying for daily and working at daily had failed and we knew it had failed. And so we knew we were going to be moving and we didn't know where. We had to decide when are we going to tell the kids and when are we going to tell our friends and when are we going to tell our family and how am I going to pastor this church to death literally. And when do we put our house on the market because if it sells too soon then we don't have a place to live and if it doesn't sell fast enough well we can't afford two mortgages. So how does all of this work? It was really complicated and stressful. And I started praying, God help. God help. Make the sale of our house be timely and, and, and the right amount of time. You know the whole situation, God, so do the thing that you're going to do. Well, we put our house on the market, and within four days, we had an offer that we accepted. And so then it was about the inspection and all the process happening. Well, our house had been, was built in 1937, and it had all the quirks of a house that was built in 1937. It, it creaked and it, it just, it was this really cool house with lots of character and these amazing hardwood floors, but uh, the corners of the house were sagging a little bit because basically there's no rock in the earth in Texas, apparently, or at least the part we lived in. So the corners were sagging, and uh, so the inspector came and he wrote it up basically where we were going to have to have the foundation repaired and a whole bunch of other stuff that we couldn't afford and the buyer got scared off. So I called the inspector and I was like, look man, I've had two foundation companies come over since you've been here and looked at this house. They said the foundation is in perfect working order. In fact, they said they couldn't sell me any product because they don't even know what they would sell me because the house is perfectly stable and the foundation is working exactly as it should. So you need to come back over here, Mr. Inspector, and fix your inspection. And by the way, get my buyer back. And he said, oh, I can hear some frustration in your voice, Mr. Whitaker. And I said, nope, you don't hear frustration, you hear anger. <laughs> so come to my house and fix this. And he came to my house and he fixed what he could and he couldn't get the buyer back. So then my prayer changed to this. God... I'm mad at this dude, and I don't know why this is happening, 
but you need to fix it. Make this house sell. And I prayed that a lot, all the time. And then literally our house was on the market for two months and we had over 70 people come through and look at it. 70 people were coming in to look at our house and wouldn't buy it. That's a lot of like anticipation and letdown. Anticipation and letdown. That's a lot of like, all right, let me get the dog and we'll go to the park again because you can't have your dog at the house when you're trying to sell it and just a bunch of stuff, right? And every time I'd be playing with the dog and I'd be praying, let the people who are at our house right now buy it. Let the people who are at our house right now buy it. Let the people who are at our house right now buy it. And they wouldn't buy it. And one day, I was at the park and my dog ran and she jumped in the water and she came back and I was telling her, sit, sit, and trying to get away from her because I could tell she was about to shake and I didn't want that nastiness on me. And she shook anyway And so I was like, whatever. So I leaned down and I was petting her ears and and talking to her. And I had this prayer come into my mind. Figure out what needs to be done and do it. That wasn't my prayer. That was the answer I received to prayer. Because the thing is, we had a house to sell. A lot of people didn't and don't. I had a job I was coming to. A lot of people don't. They're selling their houses and moving because they lost their job. I was selling my house and moving because I had a job. I knew that when I got here, eventually we would get into a situation where we would be able to buy a house, and a lot of people don't have that type of fortune. So then the mirror popped up, and that's what I hate about prayer is when the mirror pops up and I have to see what a real stinking bum I can be sometimes. Where I think about myself instead of other people. When I start to feel sorry for myself instead of recognizing the blessing that I have. See, I had been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And what was happening with every prayer, God was hammering me and molding me and shaping me into the vessel that could receive the answer. That is prayer. It's not always therapeutic. It's not always fun. And it darn sure isn't Santa Claus in the sky that's going to answer your prayers exactly the way you want for the junk that you want. Which, by the way, anybody ever watch the buddy movies? You know, with the little puppies that talk and stuff. The parents are like, oh, I've seen them. Not voluntarily. Yeah, no, I don't think it, well, if you've watched it voluntarily, let's talk after church. <laughs> and you're an adult. There's one, it's like Santa Buddies or something, and the little kid kneels down next to his bed and he starts to pray to Santa. And the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I don't think I should be letting my kids watch this movie. <laughs> One, you don't pray to Santa. And two, what have we taught our culture about prayer when we as Christians have taught our culture that when we kneel down to pray, it's basically we're talking to Santa Claus in the sky. We've taught culture that prayer is about us and that prayer is about the stuff that we can get from God. And that is not what prayer is. Prayer is is about our connection with God and the world around us. 
Prayer is about how God hammers us into the vessels that God needs. Prayer is not so much about changing God or changing our situations, but changing our souls. May we be people who pray. May we be people who recognize that prayer comes in all types of ways. May we be people who, as the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Which, by the way, is impossible for one person to do. But we can pray without ceasing. May we be people who pray without ceasing. May we be people who recognize that the thread that connects us all is God and our relationship with God. May we be people who understand that the relationship with God is strengthened through prayer. And may we know that when our answers are prayed, our prayers are answered, God has shaped us into the people who can receive that answer. And may we rejoice that we have a Creator who will use us to create. And that sometimes we are the answer to other people's prayers. And oftentimes God has given us what we need to answer our own prayers. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.